Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. You can follow along in your Bible or follow along in your pew Bible, but I've asked for the old King James version to be put upon the screens. There are times that the scriptures simply um, flow in the old King's English in a beautiful way, and I think most people are familiar with the words of the 23rd Psalm. So if you'll follow along with the scripture, and I'm not reading this today, we are reading this today. Let's unite our voices in God's word from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your Spirit, O God, continue to stand between me and your people, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be transformed into your words for these your people in this your day. For it is in the name of Christ that we have gathered, it is in the name of Christ that we pray, and it is in the name of Christ that we will seek to serve you faithfully when we depart. And all of God's people did say, Amen. In this sermon series on Thrive, um, Living Like Jesus is Alive, we want to sort of set in contrast what it means to thrive versus just survive. I would dare say that many people would say, man, I'm just glad we got through the last two years, right? And there's this idea that I'm just surviving, we're just getting through, but the reality is we're never called to just survive in the faith, we are called to thrive in the faith. And in this 23rd Psalm, the psalmist sets before us three different vignettes of thriving, three different scenes. One scene is about that moment when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or as one interpretation says, yea, though I walk through those places where death hangs like shadows around me. God is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they what? They comfort me. The second imagery is a sense of thriving and restoration that God makes me to lie down in green pastures. The word in the Hebrew is intentional. It's, it's make. It's not invite. It's not suggest. It's not recommend. And so there are those seasons where God instructs us, tells us, I'm going to make you lay down in green pastures for the purpose of restoration. Beside the still waters. And then the third vignette of this 23rd Psalm is the concept of adversaries. 
that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and my cup overflows. My wife said years ago, she has felt like our lives have been such a blessing that we're drinking from the saucer because the cup is overflowing. Credit to Sean Palmer, not Bert Palmer. <laughs> and when you see her, she's traveling back from being with her mother. Tell her, your husband gave you credit. <laughs> I'm sure you do that. It'll soften the fact that I'm still gloating that Duke beat Arkansas, and she still reminded me that UNC beat Duke. But that's another issue. So I want to focus on the sense of thriving, and what I want to focus on is this passage about thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, I'm not saying, I'm wanting to contrast this idea, it's not enemies as in identifying a personal adversary. So we're not talking about someone who's harmed you or someone with whom you disagree or someone who's against you. No, what I want to talk about is the sense in which the adversary, the enemy, is the ideology of a self-centered world that says it's all about you and whatever it takes for you to be happy, you deserve it, you should do it. There are enemies to our faith in the spirit of C.S. Lewis, which would be a fantastic thing to read again, screw tape letters. So applicable to our world today, as Screwtape, the main figure, says in summary to Wormwood, the protege, look, you don't have to work on those Christians. Just get, them, just get them turned against each other. Get them fighting with each other, and they'll do our work for us. I want to talk about the idea that the enemy is the enemy to our faith. And I want to suggest that as we move from the fasting of Lent to the feasting of thriving, there are three specific vignettes that we can learn from this passage. First, we need to recognize on this side of the empty tomb in the, in the, in the not only historical event of the resurrection, but in the liturgical life of the calendar, that we have to have a resurrection mindset. A resurrection mindset. We need to recognize that if we will embrace the reality of the resurrection in the past and the present, and that will be the greatest determination for how our future will be, and this is the beginning for us to pull up a chair at the table that God has prepared. The resurrection mindset was clear to me last week when I was in Polunsky with um, several of our men at my little table of group of folks were men of various life experiences. Quite frankly, we never even talked about what, what they did to get where they are. We never even went there. We're talking about what is God doing in their life now. And the guy that was sitting next to me for most of the time was a guy named Patty. He's given me permission to share this. And Patty stood, up, stood out amongst the 48 men in white because Patty had a helmet on. A lot like the helmet that actually my grandson wore, and you see sometimes children wear, they help shape their head in a certain way, and so it was easy to pick him out. He was about six foot two, and he had a helmet. He stood out, right? It was real clear. Patty shared, he's in hospice, in prison, in medical isolation. He's in his late 20s. Now, when we go to Kairos, we don't try to change the civil circumstances or responsibilities for what these men are doing. We simply go to give them a word of hope that they still have value and worth and they're human beings and they are loved by the one who created them. The reason Patty had the helmet is that Patty's not going to be with us 
His life expectancy is at the best 15 years. After his crimes, after his sentencing, he was diagnosed with a disease that causes his brain to shrink. In quiet moments as we prayed and held hands in prayer, you could already begin to see the effects of the tremors in his hands. You see, nothing we did in those conversations could, could really change the outward circumstance, but what we could change is the inward faith and the focus of these guys. Now, you would think that those circumstances in prison, how can you find hope? How do you break through? How do you do any of that? Well, Patty was in isolation, remember? Medical isolation, nobody else around him. He comes and kind of sees these guys for the first time. He'd only seen from a distance 47 other people getting to know him. And the first thing they all recognize is most everybody in there's got a tattoo. But there's only one guy that's got a helmet, right? <laughs> and who's the cat with a helmet? So slowly over the several days, it began happening. And then... We get to the end. At the end, each of the guys, there's an open mic. They get a chance to come up and share what, what's God, what's Christ done in their life, right? Powerful moments. We're kind of all done, and then a big old boy gets up. When I say big, I want you to imagine that Whitney Parrish is standing next to me right now, okay? That's what I look like standing next to this big old boy, and he was the unit artist, Remember, we can't change the circumstances of the responsibility of their imprisonment or their term, but we can try to affect their hearts and how they treat each other inside the walls. They noticed the hat, the story of his helmet got around, and unbeknownst to us, there was this whole conversation brewing because one of the things that is a great outlet for men is those who have artistic skills draw, and they wanted to decorate his helmet, but you know what they found? There was, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. The first response to anything you want to do when you walk past and you hear that, that door slam behind you, which is rather chilling, is no. You stand here, you walk here, you follow these rules. It's the way it works, I understand. Well, God had been moving and... And, and Stuart Castleberry's at one end of the row of men, and Ken Austin is on the other, and we're trying to follow the clock because the reality is we got to be out at a certain time, and we're trying to make sure we honor what we need to do. And Big Boy gets up and starts moving. I got one more thing, and Ken Austin says, We got to go. Stuart says, We're on the clock, and the Big Boy doesn't stop walking. I got one thing. I can remember that, Stuart. And you two knew, you and Ken knew there was something going on in his heart. 47 guys didn't know one, couldn't change the external circumstances, won't change his medical condition. The unit artist says, God's been moving and whatnot. I just want to tell you all something that God's done real quick. You got 30 seconds, brother, and you've already used 10 saying thank you, right? We're trying to move it along, move it along. The guy says this, remember this, Ron? He says, Patty, we got permission. The chaplains helped us out and the warden gave us permission. You're going to have the sickest helmet in the whole prison, right? <laughs> We're going to decorate that thing up. We couldn't do anything about his medical condition. We couldn't do anything about his sentencing and what he's responsible for doing. But you know what we could do? We could instill in the hearts of men to look at each other and, and put some resurrection hope in their hearts. Even when it means the only thing they could do was make the sickest helmet for the guy who no matter when they get out will not be with us in a little over a decade. You see, that's a resurrection mindset that tells you this place is not our final home. 
And that resurrection mindset does not let the circumstances around you determine the faith that is within you. The second thing, we've got to let God have our past. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to following God in the present and the future is hanging on to the past, whether it be past mistakes, past wounds, past hurts. And in the presence of all the enemies that would cry out in the spirit of the first question in the Bible, which comes from the, the devil and Satan, who literally just says, did God really say that? That's the first question in the Bible. The whole root of evil is to question, put the question in the heart of God's creation of his divine providential love for his creation and make you question your value and your worth. It's simply been dressed up with bed, bath, and body works and pottery barn by the evil of this world today. And it tells you that your worth and your value is what you can accumulate. That your value is what you drive, where you live, what you wear, how your 401k is operating, how your kids are doing school, how your mama and daddy do. It tells you all the wrong messages. As Kevin Williamson in an article this past week put it, the problem with Twitter, and that's been in the news lately, hadn't it, right? The problem with Twitter is not who owns it. It never has been. The problem with Twitter is that mankind is a fallen creature in need of Redeemer, a creature that now has the technological capacity to demonstrate its fallenness 6,000 times per second. You see, we, we have to let God have our past. It's the second step as you pull the chair up to the banquet feast that God has prepared. And thirdly, we have to be willing to feast in the present. Feast in the present and accept what God is doing and how he is reaching for us in Christ. A devotional from the United Methodist pastor, uh, Carolyn Moore, says it best. She was leading the Wednesday night uh, chapel service, and she writes this devotional. It was several years ago. She says this, My husband Steve usually comes to that Wednesday night service where we serve communion. Um, it had been a hard week for him. He was teaching, and it seemed like he was struggling more than usual with classroom discipline. Something our teachers in high schools, especially Kingwood Park this past week, can understand. May God be with them all, and may peace prevail for our students. It was like that semester, Steve had every demon in Morgan County taking history from him. <laughs> and it was a rough season. As he walked up to the altar, I was reading this line from Psalm 23, that prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. I looked up from the line as I was reading this and I saw Steve, his hands out to receive the elements. All the enemies were weighing heavily on him, the students, the work, the test to be graded. And I thought to myself, here it is, being lived out right in front of me, God is inviting him to a feast. In the face of so many enemies, Steve was invited by the Lord of the universe to come to the table to get his cup refilled to receive God's goodness and mercy and to remember that even with so many demons hanging on, God was with him. God was on his side. God is on our side, yours and mine. If the message of Christmas is that God is with us, then the message of Easter is that God is for us. So my friends, I invite you to this table of Holy Communion, this Eucharistic feast with the words 
of casting crowns in their song, Thrive. And by the way, I have posted this on my Facebook page, the church Facebook page, the church online community page, so that you might listen to it. And I commend it to your listening. Part of that song says this. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire just to know you and to make you known. We lift your name on high, shine like the sun, make the darkness run and hide. We know we were made for so much more than ordinary lives. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. Friends, the messages of this world are going to give you very temporary and very empty promises. Today, God is offering you more in this small portion of the elements that you receive with outstretched hand than this world and culture offers you in a buffet of things that keep you hungering for brokenness, hatred, and self-centeredness. And because Christ is with us, and because Christ is for us, Come to this feast today, my friends, with open hands. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to this table, his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, seek to live in love and charity with one another, and are committed to walking with Christ from this point forward. Therefore, friends, with one another, let's confess our sin before God and before one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love, and we have loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a moment of silent confession for whatever enemy is keeping you from taking your place at God's table. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending heaven.
Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself for up for us, Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples as he gives to you and me today. And he says this, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks to you. And he gave it to his disciples, he gives to you and me today, and says, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is God. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in a final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Help us, O God, to come to this table with open hands. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, for all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of being the children of God, let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.